Welcome to The Voice of Oregon Workers, a monthly podcast from the Oregon AFL-CIO. I'm Tom Chamberlain, president of the Oregon AFL-CIO, and in this month's episode, we sit down with State Representative-elect Rachel Prusak from House District 37 to discuss her success on the campaign trail and what we can expect to see during the 2019 legislative session. As a union member, Rachel knows what happens when workers stand together. Her successful campaign is part of a wave of union members winning elections across the country. Rachel's success as a union candidate is inspiring, and I hope that working people will take a page from Rachel and start stepping up to demand change. If you like what you hear today, please share our podcast with your family and friends. Hey everyone, we're back. My name is Graham Trainer, proudly serving as the Chief of Staff of the Oregon AFL-CIO, the Statewide Federation of Labor Unions, and we're really excited to be here today after an incredible evening of wins for working people just a few weeks ago with the 2018 elections. In Oregon and around the country, working people came together during the midterm elections and made a huge difference in the outcomes. The union movement across the country knocked on over 2.3 million doors. Over 800 union members were elected to office across the country. We made over 500,000 phone calls. We sent hundreds of thousands of texts, all driven by a simple belief. When working people come together and we do the boots on the ground work for candidates that stand with us, we win. Right here in Oregon, we had an incredible election night as well, and the results really showed the strength of the coordinated Labor 2018 political program and the power of a broad-based, coordinated GOTV effort by the entire progressive community. You know, we have a proud history and tradition of electing union members to office here in Oregon, with over 20 current or former union members in the Oregon legislature today. As a movement, we have prioritized this work for many reasons, one, electing people that have to work for that have had to work for a living, have experience with collective bargaining, and understand the value of collective action can make great leaders because they get it. Two, ensuring that the halls of power aren't just filled with the wealthy and well-connected ensures that the voices of workers don't get drowned out by a corporate-driven agenda. And three. Having union members in the legislative caucus room standing up for working people when important issues are discussed is invaluable to our ability to continue fighting for an economy that works for all Oregon workers. Now, this election saw a host of wins for working people in Oregon. We elected our re-elected our strong, effective pro-union governor, Governor Kate Brown, winning her re-election by nearly seven points. Yeah. <laughs> Even stronger pro-worker majorities, even super majorities, were elected in the state house and the state senate. Several really dangerous ballot measures were handily defeated that were attempts to divide us, to attack our democracy, to, def- uh, to attack our immigrant community, to, ta- to attack women and their reproductive health care options. But one of the most exciting things for me about Oregon election results is always when we elect new union members to office. And this year's election brought two new union members into the ranks of the state house alongside a number of incumbent union members that were reelected. And we are so excited to be here with one of those fantastic newly elected members of the state house, 
Representative-elect Rachel Prusak. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, and we're uh, excited to really dive in and uh, talk about this year's election and what it means for working people. Uh, But I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit bit about what you're up to and why you ran. Thanks, Graham. Thank you for um, everything that you do. And I am Rachel Prusak. I am a nurse practitioner. I work for House Call Providers. We serve homebound elderly and disabled patients and after working as a nurse for uh, 20 years and currently a member of Oregon Nurses Association I felt it was time to run for office. Um, I have seen for so many years working families struggling to try to keep a roof over their head to try to pay for health care and I'm tired of watching elected officials ignore Um, people for special interests and so when the current representative of the district where I live um, put health care on the ballot with measure 101 which threatened vulnerable communities it reinforced that I needed to run for office Fantastic. Well, uh, we couldn't have been more excited that you ran and to have been a part of this campaign. Um, You know, this race was uh, really uh, an exciting one to be a part of, right? Pro-worker candidates have tried for a number of years in this exact same district to take on a well-established, entrenched incumbent who had painted herself as a moderate, an independent voice for her constituents, um, and you said a little bit about Measure 101 and why that was an impetus, but uh, you know, give us a little bit more of an inside scoop with what was going on for you and sort of why you really uh, chose to jump at this moment besides maybe the Measure 101 fight that was so important to Thank so many. You. Yeah, I have uh, felt for a long time that working people need to run for office. I have felt for a long time nurses need to represent us in every way um, that they can. We care for our communities, and um, it was time. So as an active um, member of Oregon Nurses Association, um, I had been testifying for a while in Salem on behalf of um, nursing um, issues and patient issues, and again, it just reinforced of why we need working people to represent us uh, versus the uh, kind of independently wealthy uh, people that have been running and winning for so long. Mm-hmm. Here, here again. Uh, so maybe uh, I think one of the things that might be uh, interesting to listeners is just sort of what 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 building this campaign was like. You know, mm-hmm. you've been running for a long time. This was this was uh, uh, you know over a year in the making. And so uh, thinking back to those times in 2017 when you were, you know, gearing up to run and preparing your campaign, uh, I'm sure listeners might be curious about what that was like for you as Mm -hmm. the candidate and first-time candidate. Yeah. So I thought long and hard about this decision. I had conversations with my coworkers, my family, of what it would mean to run for office because it is not easy, especially when you're working full time. Mm -hmm. So I had to make sure that I had the support of my colleagues at work and my family. And thankfully, um, nobody was surprised when I decided to run. Mm -hmm. I have been engaged um, on the front lines of healthcare and an activist uh, for issues involving healthcare for a long time. So nobody was surprised. And what I did to prepare when I started thinking about it was actually um, apply for Oregon Labor Candidate School, um, which I highly recommend. Um, I was able to um, build relationships with other um, 
working people, union members, that also had an interest in representing their communities in an elected official way. Um, and I was learned so much. I mean, you don't just run for office. You have to, um, like you said, build a campaign. And that means um, building relationships with your community. It means um, getting validated by people in your community. Um, and it means making sure that um, you've, you have that trust and you know how to reach out to ask for money because it costs money. You know how uh, uh, to publicly speak and you know how to um, um, just knock on doors and talk to people that are strangers. And the way you do that is, is, is getting and building a community to understand how to do that. So Oregon Labor Candidate School did that for me. And then I also um, applied for uh, Merge Oregon, which trains progressive women. So I took a training program that trained um, labor candidates, working people to run for office, and then also progressive women to run for office. And through Emerge, I gained a sisterhood. I gained um, a supportive family um, to it really encourage you because there's so many times that you second guess yourself. Mm -hmm. Can I do this? Mm -hmm. Can I do this? And you know what? You not only can do it, we need to do it. And if you're not the person that can run for office, support the person that you know that represents your values to run for office. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you were just sharing an experience just uh, just before we started about the about some of the 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 doubt and the challenges that would creep in, especially mm -hmm. on a a wet night in the winter when you're knocking on doors. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's anything, I'm sure you've got plenty of experiences and we'll talk more about that in a bit, but I don't know if there's anything, uh, you know, those times where you might've questioned, is this really for me? Yeah. Or I don't know if there's any, yeah. any memories that come to mind. Yeah. So I would say for me, I always knew that I wanted to do this. It's that doubt of, can you do it? Um, and so as I just mentioned, I made sure I had the support and the buy-in of my family and my colleagues um, and then my peers that I met through these training programs. So when you do have those doubts, you turn to your community and they're there to support you. Um, because if somebody else is going to feed into that doubt, you, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. So you have to build that community first. Mm -hmm. um, and then you go back out there and you do it again and you're reminded that Actually, I don't have to look perfect. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have the perfect outfit on. I'm having conversations, meaningful conversations about what is important to us as community members and what we need to make sure our elected officials know is important to us as mm -hmm. working members of our communities. Mm -hmm. Great. And, you know, one of the things that uh, keeps me grounded and excited about the work in Oregon is that we actually have been able to continue to win and continue to move the ball forward despite dysfunction at the national level and with federal politics so uh, so I can totally uh, relate and it actually does matter uh, when we when we win in Oregon it's not just oh we won an election actually we're going to go down to Salem we'll talk about this in That's a bit right. we're going to go down to Salem right. and, and continue to move the ball forward on Fight. a progressive pro-union yeah. agenda too so um, well here in Oregon uh, the labor 2018 political program was in full force this election cycle as I'm sure our listeners are aware of working on behalf of our endorsed candidates and obviously Rachel's race was a top priority for us all told the labor political program that we ran in coordination with our affiliate unions accomplished a ton. We knocked individually, just as an organization, and our affiliated unions knocked on over 114,000 doors in targeted races. Many of those were in Rachel's yes. district, of course. Uh, we called nearly 100,000 union members. We texted nearly 200,000 voters. We sent over 400,000 pieces of mail. Many of our listeners probably received those uh, pieces of mail, including local union letters, which are a really impactful piece of mail that come directly from union leaders to their members about the importance of politics and engaging 
and, and supporting union-endorsed candidates. And we handed out nearly 6,000 flyers to union members at construction work sites. And, you know, again, the results speak for themselves, but I'm going to dive in a little deeper to some of the metrics. Um, you know, general public turnout for a midterm uh, uh, actually was uh, relatively historic across the country. Um, and in Oregon, it was no different. About 68% statewide voters uh, turned out to vote in this midterm election. Um, and union members turned out um, reliably higher. Uh, 75% of union members in the state of Oregon turned out to vote over seven points higher than the general public. And again, that's that's no coincidence. That's because of the work that we did to educate and to mobilize union members. Working America members, those are folks that don't have a union on the job, but probably would like one and also identify with a lot of the issues that the labor movement fights for. Those members, which we have over 200,000 of in Oregon, voted at 80% across the state. So 12 points higher than the general public. And just to break it down to Rachel's district, House District 37, uh, there are over 4,000 union members and working American members um, in this district. So these are voters that are also members of a union or working America. And due, due to our layered communication strategy and, of course, a strong campaign by Rachel and her team, these members turned out six points higher than the general public in her district. And uh, just to put it into perspective, Rachel won by less than 2,000 votes, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. It's about 1,800 or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, the labor program can make the difference. The coordinated progressive GOTV program can make the difference. Um, now, when I come back to Rachel, um, so what was it? What was it like? You mentioned um, kind of broadly speaking about the community that you built as a as a candidate, first time candidate, and how you built that support network. But what was the experience like working with all the partners that believed in you? Because you know, it wasn't always easy. Yeah. You had to win over organizations <clears throat> that engage in politics. So, what was that like for you? Um, so I, again, union member of ONA. So first, um, not only had the buy-in from my community, uh, sorry, family and employers, but really my union. I made sure I had those discussions. Um, and thankfully, the nurses were behind me all the way. And then I just continued to show up so I could be validated as a um, person that could do this. Because as you mentioned, this isn't easy, mm -hmm. um, especially um, going up against an eight-year incumbent. Mm -hmm. um, I made sure that I showed up. I had the important conversations with community members that are union members and then also um, unions themselves, um, making sure that they knew that I shared their values um, within the district and with union members across the state, I shared that values that working people need to have a voice. Um, for too long, they have not been heard. And so um, building it was like just building a large family. And everybody kept showing up. And it's mm -hmm. at times what kept me going. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it's not always easy. But what I learned, um, especially... Uh, through AFL-CIO is that you have so many union members and they might not always have the same priorities, but how are we going to work together so uh, working people's voices are heard? Mm -hmm. And that's what I learned is that um, I came from being an activist and fighting for health care for all. Um, and I, of course, will continue fighting for that. But now it's about governing. So it's about talking to all partner groups, all unions, and really finding out what's important to them and how we can work together mm -hmm. so the larger community is served and is heard. Mm -hmm. um, and beyond that, it was just um, what got me 
to keep going on those days that were hard, Mm -hmm. on those 100-degree days, on those freezing cold rain days, knowing that um, this wasn't about me. This was about the community, and this was about working people who are tired of elected officials not listening to them. And then I was the honored person that got to be the voice of this movement. Mm -hmm. Again, not about me, about working people, Mm -hmm. and just how if we come together, we win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And not in a easy district, especially uh, for your case. And, you know, I think um, one of the things that is always uh, that, you know, I always especially this conversation brings back a lot of memories for me about all the different campaigns for uh, for union members that we've actually worked on. Right. Um, uh, Whether they were primary fights in Democratic districts where we were picking uh, union preferred choice, uh, a union member versus other I'm sure well-intentioned Democrats, um, or uh, general elections where we were able to um, engage in a partisan campaign uh, on behalf of a union member. And uh, those are uh, some of my proudest moments, and um, I'll never forget them, and uh, yours is the latest, which we're excited about. So um, so just generally, what, what do the election results mean to you? So, um, you know, I think your campaign was exciting and one that, um, that I'm sure lots of pundits didn't necessarily expect. Um, but nope. I do think that, uh, you know, I think whether it's your race, whether it's the statement that Oregonians made when they sent back supermajorities, what do the elections mean to you as a, as a newly elected representative? So for me, it means that all of the hard work of talking to neighbors at their doors paid off. But more importantly, um, it's that their voices were heard. Mm-hmm. And their voices said, we need to do something about access to health care. Mm-hmm. It is not affordable. We need to do something about the cost of prescription drugs. We need to do something about the lack of access to care for mental health. And we need to protect access to care to reproductive health. Mm-hmm. Education. People in the district really care about education. They moved to the district for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and an example that I... I um, remember very clearly about um, a lot of times people brought their kids to events, and I loved that. It was, you know, always family events. And somebody had recently moved to the district, and the son um, said when he came to uh, his school here, he had a computer room. Everybody had computers, and nobody had that in the school that he went to before. And I asked him, Um, well, do you think that everybody deserves the same no matter where they live? And he was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, we need more kids running for office. (laughs) And I was like, no, we need more people running for office and winning that believe that, that no matter where you live, you deserve an education. Mm -hmm. And so what I think um, I can bring to um, the legislature is the conversation around funding for education that needs to be allotted to wraparound services so that our teachers and our students have a nurse, have a social worker, have those kind of resources they need in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third thing that everybody really talked about in the district um, was transportation, making sure we have safe infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to the community members. I heard them. I'm going to bring their voice. Again, this is about what communities or members are saying. And so what the win means is that the community stands for access to health care, education, and really investing in infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I get to to be that that person that um, brings their voice Mm -hmm. to Salem. Yep. 
Well, they are lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you in, uh, there in the, in, the, in the newly elected spot. So um, I guess, you know, to talk a little bit about the national election results, you know, we saw record numbers of women running. We saw incredibly diverse uh, elected officials or candidates running for the first time uh, across the country. Uh, clearly, there was a, a, a sea change in the House of Representatives in Congress. Um, not as much success for uh, progressives and pro-union values in the Senate. Um, but, yeah, what do you make of the national election results? Not that you had a lot of time to think about it during the campaign. Yes, but, uh, I would say that I was really focused on um, our campaign um, and the state of Oregon and all its ballot measures. But um, I've been able to catch up a little bit on what's happening across the country. And, again, I think it's just um, the same thing that we just talked about. People that are voting want to be heard and what they want is access to health care, education for all, mm-hmm. invest in infrastructure and protect our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that working families care about. We need to make sure that everybody earns a livable wage. Um, I lived in the South. I've lived where um, right to work is a reality, um, which means that people are constantly um, unemployed or underemployed, which means no access to health care, mm-hmm. which means um, you know, unable to afford education for family members, unable to keep a roof over your head. So I think collectively, not only Oregon, but across, across the country is saying the same things. We want working people to be elected. We want working people to be the voice for us. And it isn't easy. And so we need to come up with ways to make it more easy for working people's voices to be heard, to run, to have the support mm-hmm. of union groups and to get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, and great. And I think one of the stats I threw out, which I thought was pretty cool, uh, coming out of the national election results um, from the labor movement, was that 800, over 800, it's actually 800 and counting, I just read today, uh, union members ran for office across the country, right? So there was a, there was really a groundswell of working people running. But your point is well taken that um, there's still many, many barriers that working people face to actually have the luxury to run. Yes. Um, you know, uh, obviously, we're a part-time legislature in Oregon. So traditionally, yes. it has favored those that can afford it. Uh, and have the luxury and the, the resources to be able to uh, to run, and it creates real barriers for working people. So yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's exactly what I'm figuring yeah. out right now. In the interim, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. how do I have a salary at my job and work and have time, but also be a voice of a citizen legislature? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, just getting back to the point about diversity, um, diversity of. Um, more people of color getting elected, more women getting elected, but also more working families. So Mm -hmm. people that are bringing the voice that are nurses, that are teachers, that are social workers, um, and then people behind the scenes of those campaigns that are healthcare workers is so important. Mm -hmm. We need to be um, by the people and for the people. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you talked a little bit about some of your priorities for 2019, and we'll go into those here in just a sec as well. Um, You know, but one of the things that was really exciting to to me and to uh, our entire community, both in the labor and the progressive communities, is that the election really saw record numbers of women running for office around the country, like I mentioned earlier. Um, And the Oregon House Democratic Caucus has nearly 60% women in it now. Um, and increased diversity with immigrant and people of color voices representative. Um, and, you know, there's a direct correlation in my mind that when we elect more women and people of color to office, we get more progressive and pro-union leadership, yeah. right? And so uh, I would uh, be willing to bet that you will be now joining what is likely the most progressive pro-union uh, legislative caucuses in the country. Um, so because of that, that's a pretty cool 
stat, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's true. I don't mm -hmm. think it's uh, a stretch at all. Um, what does it mean to you to be joining this women-led caucus with a uh, Tina Kotek as the incredible speaker, Jennifer Williamson as the majority leader? Um, what does that mean to you? And, uh, and you know, obviously we've got um, a tall order this session because we've done some great things just over the last couple of years. So what does it mean to you to be joining that caucus? <clears throat> I feel beyond honored. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to learn so much. I feel really excited about that. You know, I'm coming from the perspective of um, a nurse practitioner. Um, so I am an expert in something. And running for office, you have to um, be open to being okay with not being an expert in things and learning from people. So who better to learn from but this really amazing um, progressive caucus of women. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also do look forward to learning from um, everybody that's serving. I feel like um, I am going to be the most effective at my job if I listen to everyone and learn from everyone. So from people that have been there for a long time, male or female. Um, but yeah, I'm beyond honored um, and excited to uh, work with this uh, group of progressive women. Um, and Absolutely. actually get paid family leave passed. That's right. Uh, they've been working right. on that for a decade, and it's time mm -hmm. that we pass it. And That's if right. we have a supermajority and it is mostly women, um, we need to make sure that that happens. As a mm -hmm. nurse practitioner caring mm -hmm. for people, I often see uh, family members not be able to take time off from work to care for their dying family member. Um, and this is unethical, and we need to change it, mm -hmm. and we need to be leaders in that mm -hmm. and make sure it happens. That's right. And, uh, you know, the labor movement, obviously, and our allies will be coming to Salem with the bold agenda uh, to ensure that Oregon's economy works for all Oregonians. Again, um, passing paid family leave has been a long-time priority for the labor movement, uh, and we're really excited to be a part of the team to help uh, to help make that happen. Um, we want to make sure that we give workers more tools and protections to fight back against sexual harassment culture in the workplace and in our communities, just to name a few. So um, what are your thoughts about, you already mentioned your thoughts about paid family leave, but what are your thoughts generally about the labor movement's agenda and what this session means for working people? Uh, well, you just mentioned sexual harassment, and I'm glad to see that that's going to be a priority. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't a job that I've ever had uh, as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner, where there isn't um, a system set in place. There's um, policies. There's tests. Um, I uh, can't imagine a job that doesn't have it, so the fact that um, that isn't happening in our government buildings is... Um, Unacceptable, mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad that you just mentioned that mm -hmm. as a priority. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Um, and I think that um, now that issues have been brought to light, we'll make sure that that is addressed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, paid family leave, um, livable wages. Um, yeah. I assume uh, one of the things that came up at the doorstep, and you mentioned it earlier, yeah. fully funding education. Yeah. It's going to take money. It's going to yeah. take new revenue, right? So yeah. I'm sure that's one of the things you're yes. thinking about, and too. Then, yeah. And then revenue reform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those were the challenging conversations to have at the door. But when you have them one-on-one -on -one and you really listen to each other and you really understand the importance of what um, revenue reform means and what it will do in Oregon, mm -hmm. people are on board. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And the governor's recommended budget just came out today. And obviously it shows that there is a vision from the governor's office coming into uh, her second term, her full second term um, of investing in Oregon. 
and investing in our structures that are so important to the, the communities that depend on them and are most vulnerable. So the time uh, is now. That's right. The that's time right. is now. We have to do it. That's right. So uh, we've got a few more things that we want to cover before we wrap up tonight. Uh, but um, you know, just out of curiosity, what would you say to a listener who is uh, curious? You know, is a maybe a rank and file member, leader, a president of their local or their sub local, um, and um, They've maybe started to think about getting politically engaged. Maybe this election sort of spurred that for them. Um, what would you say to that person that maybe is sort of sitting there wondering, like, is, is running for office something for me, having maybe some of those doubts that you already mentioned that yeah. you had? Um, yeah. What would you say to that person? I would say to listen to your gut that's telling you that it's something you want to do. And I would say reach out to the many training classes that are um, being held across the state, uh, whether it's uh, um, Labor Candidate School, um, our Emerge, or any of the other number of ones. I would say um, if you aren't already on a board, like the example you mentioned, I would say get on a board. I would say attend board meetings. I'd say show up to your community, whether it's a city council meeting, a school board meeting, um, any type of elected uh, official uh, meeting, excuse me, um, just really start to see what's out there because it's every level mm-hmm. of uh, elected official that we need. Mm-hmm. It's not just state rep and senator and president and governor. We need to look at all of our local um Organizations that need leadership, mm-hmm. that need the voice of working people, um, and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunities everywhere, and I would say just really reach out to someone in your community that is doing it. Reach out to the training classes and trust that you can do this. Your voice is so important. Mm-hmm. Great. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What was the craziest experience that happened to you on the campaign trail? Yeah. <sighs> Um, well, when you knock on, you know, thousands of doors and you um, are running for a year, there's lots of different experiences. But the one that just popped into my um, brain, uh, into my mind, it's on the forefront of it off and on um, since uh, the experience is when I was at a forum and I asked the students at the high school forum how many people have had to um, perform a drill in case there was an active shooter. And every single student raised their hand. The thoughts of um, kids, students, having to have uh, drills in school where they're hiding from an active shooter and the emotions that that um, is hasn't left me, that every single kid has experienced that, um, which um, as a gun violence survivor myself, it's something that is going to come with me to Salem, mm-hmm. and I will remember that so that we um, push for safe storage laws. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. Really powerful. Um, so one of the uh, final questions we have uh, that I've got for you and uh, that I hope you can leave with our listeners is, um, you know, just one or, one or two of the key lessons that you learned during this whole crazy process that you just went through. And, uh, and again, we're so grateful that you were successful and we're proud to be a part of the team. But, um, you know, just some lessons learned that might be worth sharing with listeners. Um, I think that something that resonated with me every day was that um, – We're led to believe that we are more divided than we are connected. But when we have one-on-one conversations with people in our community, 
we realize that we are more connected and we are more alike than we are divided. And so when we have that fear of having the conversation with somebody who may have different ideas or different opinions that you have, that we need to have the conversation. Having the conversations over the last year with people at their doors, no matter what their um, identity was in politics, was the most important and key thing to this race. Um, and I won't ever forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that everybody needs to just know that no matter how much we're trying, that we're being convinced that we're divided, we really are more alike and connected. Mm-hmm. And I love the point that you made that that was all based on the the realization that face-to-face, one-on-one yes. conversations are the most yep. important to yep. keep us connected yep. and, uh, frankly, to win campaigns. Yep. Like we just not on you. social media, <laughs> not anything that you do, uh, but one-on-one conversations. That's right. And I am so thankful for um, the support um, from you and from all the other union members um, who showed up the entire year. Yeah. It was a team effort. So, yes. Uh, thanks for being here. We're yes. really excited to uh, have thank this you. conversation. Thank you. So uh, you've been listening to the Voice of Oregon's Workers, the Oregon AFL-CIO's monthly podcast. If you like what you've heard, please give us a like, share, and let friends and family know about us. And uh, we'll see you next month. <laughs>